So this is the uh, last uh, one of this series, and uh, this is the way I'm, I'm like this. I don't know if you're like this, but about the time we get to the end, the last one, I think of all these other things we need to talk about. So we have to do those another time because next week we'll start a new series that will lead us up to one of our favorite celebrations in uh, the very last Sunday of March. It's called what? Easter, yes. Yeah. So we're going to move toward Easter with a new series beginning uh, next week. But we're gonna finish this one um, this week, and we've been talking about those steps in your lives, those things that, that help you have sustainable growth in your life. And if you looked in your uh, outline, you, you see this last message is called, say it with me, called plan what? Prepare and then, yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of that, it was a popular, motif in, in, in the scripture, the idea of the farmer or someone who, who plants and before you can plant, you know, you have to prepare and before you prepare, you need to make some plans. And I have noticed that that's kind of the way most of us are wired, right? How many people you would say, I am a planner? I mean, that's, that's me, that would describe me so well. I'm a planner, anybody? Okay. How many people would say, no way, I'm not a planner at all. I don't think that way. I just kind of, how many people? So just to let you know, I'm, I'm probably the second group. Um, I don't necessarily look at myself that way. I have people sometimes will ask me things like, you ever have this question? Um, so what is your five-year plan? I'm like, I don't have any idea, you know. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing tomorrow or what, you know. It, it's just, it's not the way I look at it. I never have. And yet, let me say this. I do, of course, because we all do that. We're all planning ahead and thinking ahead, even if we're not conscious of it or we're not kind of the person that writes it down or, or draws it out. I've always tried to do this. I've listened to people who are really good at this and they'll get their calendars out and they'll write down all these plans on their calendar and then they'll come back. I remember when Chuck Swindoll this, he said, so you have a meeting or something, so you wanna write that down and what happened at it. I thought, man, what a great way to orchestrate and run your life and so I'll always start something like that and then I'll go back and look at my calendar and I can see where it ended. <laughs> it lasted about you know four weeks or five weeks and then and they'll always say this, if you do it for a month or two months, you will never stop. Oh yes, so I'm, I, I'm the exception to the rule. I, I work at it, I try to do it, and then it's just not the way I look at it or the way that I think about it, and yet, at the same time, same time, it is. Of course it is. Because you look around in life, and you recognize that if you don't plan, if you don't, if you don't you know, make some plans of where you wanna go and what you wanna do and, and what you're looking forward to, which is the way we're wired, then what happens is you'll find yourself later unprepared. You're just not ready for those things. And, uh, and, you, and you realize that there's some things that if you plant some things, if you, if you invest some time and you invest energy into things that are good things and things that matter, there's a payoff later. And it was worth investing because of the payoff. So I thought I'd start it this way uh, because here, here's the question that I always ask. This is the way I think about it. Okay, so what happens when we don't? <laughs> when we don't plan, we don't prepare, and we, we, we don't you know, um, 
plant and, and invest. What happens? And this is just me, and I know you're going to look at this and say bad English. It is, but this is just the way I would sketch it down really quick, and this is the way I end up on the outline. First of all, we just eat it all. That's what we do, you know? If you're not planning and you're not investing and you're not preparing, then what happens is you just look at life as life is there for me to consume it all and, and enjoy it all, and that sounds like a great way of life until it's all eaten. And then you go like, well, wait a minute, weren't we supposed to uh, invest in the future also? Here's the second thing I thought about. Or we just, uh, we just do or say what we wanna do now. We eat it all now, we do or say what we wanna say now, I just, you know, whatever I feel like, saying I just say it and then later regret it, or you know, that, that happens, or how about the third one? Uh, react to what I feel when. Now, <laughs> this is what I feel now. You know, someone hurt my feelings now, so I'm gonna ra- react to that. And I haven't, haven't planned, I haven't prepared for what if something happens that hurts my feelings or is not according to what I wanted to happen, how am I gonna deal with that? And I'm not really prepared to deal with that you know, in any way, shape, or form. And then the fourth one, I just put this down. We forget, we forget. What do you want tomorrow? What are you hoping for next week? What would you like to see a month from now, a year from now, two years from now? And all of, all of that involves something that we're actually really good at. You're really good at it also, even though you may think you aren't. You're really good at thinking about what is it that I want out of life? What is it that I want to see happen in the future? And that's gonna always involve me making some plans, uh, some preparations in life, working at some things, and then later, of course, uh, reaping what I have planted, what I've sown, what I've invested in in life. I, I like this, uh, uh, this proverb. If you, if you ever read the Proverbs, Proverbs and Psalms are both places that I don't naturally, would not naturally go when I was a young person or when I was a young Christian, but as I've gotten older, you may be like this, you will enjoy the Proverbs and the Psalms much more. They, they just have more meaning to them. Uh, and the Proverbs are all these wisdom sayings. Um, and here are, here's uh, two Proverbs or two verses out of the Proverbs in Proverbs chapter number 20. I'll put them in your outline. They'll pop up here. Let's see if you can relate to this. This is New American Standard. So this is very literal translation of these Proverbs. This is what it says, the sluggard. Do you like that word? I don't. I was like, oh, come on. Can we come up with a more modern word? But you know, this is something that was translated about 70 years ago. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn. And I know you're like, what in the world are we talking about? So in their day where they were, after the autumn season, the harvesting and everything's starting to die back. You had to start thinking ahead of time. You had to start planning. And, and for them, uh, they would actually plow things up or break up the soil in the winter time after the autumn. And uh, it was the rainy season, so it, it's uncomfortable. You know, it's cold outside, it's muddy, it's wet. But they knew that if they didn't do this, that, you know, then they would reap the the. Uh, lack of benefits of not, not planning ahead of time. So it says the slaggart does not plow after the autumn. So he does what? He, oh, he begs during the harvest and he has nothing. Yeah, he just didn't think ahead. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't plan ahead. He didn't prepare ahead of time. And so what happens is he has nothing and he has to go to those who have prepared and they have planned and they have planted and invested and he has to look to them 
uh, to give him something. And verse number five says this, a plan in the heart of a man is like, this is a great verse, a plan in the heart of a man is like what? Deep water. Say it with me. The plan in the heart of a man is like deep waters. Yes. But a man of understanding draws it out. So this is what this means. In all of us, in all of us, Solomon is saying, they're these deep waters. They're in you also. You may not think they're there, but they're these deep waters in you. And, and that means sustainable. It's not just the water on the surface. You know, we went through this summer. If you had a pond, we have one on the property. That pond just kept going down and down and down. And you're like, will it ever rain again? Will the water ever fill up? But you know what was still there? The deep waters were still there. And that's what he's talking about. So a plan, making a plan, thinking ahead, are, are, is like deep waters, things that sustain and things that are still there when the things closest to the surface of your life have evaporated or been affected by the drought, they have gone away. And, and the person of understanding, in other words, they have, a, they have attained some wisdom in life, that person goes there and draws up that wisdom that is deep. Isn't that a great thought? I think it is. I mean, it's just one of those things that, when I was a kid, uh, so my mom made me take piano lessons. Anybody do that? Yeah, you had no choice. You're gonna take piano lessons. It's really not a bad thing because music is a really good thing for all people. It kind of stirs the soul. They've decided, they've gone in and looked at and said that you know music also kind of correlates to mathematical skills. Did you know that? And so one, one kind of helps build the other. And, and uh, I remember I was at a recital and it was my sister, my younger sister, a year younger, she's playing at a recital. I had done piano lessons and just frustrated my mom to no end because I'm not gonna practice, you know, and um, I'm not gonna work at it. I'm just gonna show up at the, at the lessons and the teacher eventually will say, yeah, he's not really getting very far because he's not putting in the work. He's not investing. He's not, you know, so, and, and I looked at her doing the recital and it kind of hit me. I would love to be able to play the piano. How many people, I would love to play the piano, but you never learned how to. Okay, that hand goes back, you know. Yeah, and I still, listen, I can chord on a piano and stuff like that, but it, it kind of hit me and I thought about it. I was old enough, still really young, but I was old enough to realize if you wanna be able to play the piano in the future, what do you need to do now? Yeah. Now you have to sacrifice, uh, make some plans, invest some time uh, into it. And if you don't do that, you won't reap something down the road. And this is what I thought of, and this is pretty deep for a, a six-year-old, something like that. I thought, if I start today, a year from now, I will have fewer what? Regrets. I'll say, I'm a year down the road in playing the piano. If I don't start today, a year from now, I'll be in the same spot watching my sister do a recital at Carnegie Hall, and I'm like, I wish I had, yeah, I wish I had done that. Now listen, there are, there are musical skills and musical abilities, and I know you say, well, you still only, yeah, that's right, I did start piano lessons again, and I did frustrate my mom again, and eventually she canceled lessons because I wasn't practicing because I was involved in, uh, other boy things, football and all that kind of stuff in it too. But it still grabs me. I still remember that time because it was a realization and I would call it deep waters that if you invest now, if you put time into it now, if you, if you jump in with both feet, 
you know, now. There's some things down the road that you will reap because you made the investment. If you don't, you, you won't. And that's the way, that's the way life uh, works. So we started talking about these steps. And remember our first step was um, that the first thing you need to see if I can hold on all these uh, steps. The first thing you need to do is to align yourself with God, right? And Jesus uh, taught us about that. If you want to know what does it mean to align yourself with God, just remember the Lord's Prayer. Most of us remember the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer goes what? Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you want to know God. And Jesus made, made uh, this, this relationship available that you could know God. And you want to honor God's name because you honor God as the one who gave you life and who made you the way you are. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what? Here, just like it is in heaven. Um, give us this day our things that we need and forgive us our, okay, y'all are hesitant now, you've learned, okay. So whether you say debts or trespasses or sins, you know, forgive us those things just as we have forgiven those who would have those, have done those things to us also. Forgiveness is such an important part of this relationship and this alignment with God. We're, we're looking to God to make us like himself, to reshape our lives. And he says, and, and uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil or, or uh, the evil one. Exactly. And that's, that's the first step in building a life with sustainable growth is to, is to do that. The second step would be then to um, uh, build or put yourself in a position where your faith would grow. And I listen, I can't help but push this. Again, as David was saying, things have really kicked off this spring. There are a lot of opportunities. There are men's groups, small groups, places for you to go, places to get involved in that will help your faith grow. And there's nothing like being around other people who are after the same thing to encourage you and to challenge you for your faith to grow. Third step was to stretch your faith into actions. And uh, James, we're gonna look at James uh, again. James is real big on this where he's saying, listen, if you're not stretching your faith into actions, then you, at some point you're gonna question um, what, you, what you really believe or what you're really holding on to. Fourth step was you, you learn to see, God will teach you how to see your struggles, the things you go through in a different light than the way you saw them before. You might've just seen them before as God, why can't you just take away all of my struggles and all the difficult things in my life? That, that just sounds like a, a great way to live and God has a different plan. God looks at it as, yeah, but I'm gonna use these things in your life to accomplish those, those other things. And then uh, last week, I have no idea what we talked about. Does anybody remember what we talked about? I did write it down so I would remember. Oh, that's right. So you have to fight the discouragement bug as, as well as forgetfulness. And uh, so that's funny. Okay, it's not that funny. Okay, so yeah, there, there are always things that discourage us, always things that come up and, and, and try to get us to stop and to quit. That's, that's part of the battle and you've got to, uh, you got to fight against that. So I, I thought about it and going to this, I thought you, have, you really have kind of three options um, in life. Here's the first option. Um, make no plans, make no what? preparations, and uh, so what do you plant? The only thing you will plant, if you make no plans, you don't think about it, and you don't make any preparations, the only thing you will plant 
is what you want, your desires. That's it, that's the only thing you will plan. You will just go with what you want, with what your desires are. And I thought about, here's option number two. Make plans, and there are people who do this, and preparations for your desires. And you know what the result is? Same as option number one. That's all you get. You don't get anything further than that. But there, there is a, there's a third option that is a, uh, is a better option for us, and that is what um, the writer of Hebrews talks about in the 11th chapter. Um, I want more. I want more than just my desires, just what I want, even though that naturally that is what I want, but I want more. And I, I will say this. If, if you dig down into the deep waters of your life, I think you will find, yes, I do want more. God made me to want more of life. And this 11th chapter of Hebrews is this roll call of faith. Those who wanted more, they just didn't want what they wanted. They wanted something more than that. They felt like their life was made for something more than that. They pursued that. And I love, if you go down into this chapter as you're reading, it, he talks about that these people are the people that God delights in because they were looking for something more than just where they were, what they had, what they were doing right now. Because if, if that's what you're looking for, you, you got it, it's there. But if you want something more, he says this, and God is not ashamed of those people. He's not ashamed to be called those people their God because that's what God wants for us. He wants to give us uh, something more than just the things that we have. So let me take you through two passages this morning. I know that you're gonna look at some of these and say, well, man, I've read this before. I never looked at it in this light. But um, I think if you look at a lot of the scripture and you understand what God wants for you and that God is, is working to, to push you on toward other things, you might see some of the things that are in there and they might make uh, more sense to you. Here's what in Galatians, here's what Paul writes in Galatians chapter number five. He says in verse 16, he says, so I tell you, listen to this, live by the what? By the spirit, live by the spirit. Um, this is God's spirit that he gives us. Um, he is the spirit that goes deep into us. He is the spirit that goes deep into the Father because he is the spirit of God. And, and he understands how God made us and what God made us for. And so he's saying live by the spirit, by the leading and the, the impact and the power and the promptings of God's spirit. And he adds, he says, then you will not do what you're sinful selves want. In other words, you won't fall into the trap of just going for what is my desire right now and what can I get right now and that's the only thing that I live for. That's, that's what he's contrasting. It says in verse 17, our sinful selves want what is against the spirit and the spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. He says the two are against each other so you cannot do just what you Please, just what you want. You can't do that. Because if you do, you, you won't be following what the Spirit wants in your life. You'll be fighting against the Spirit if you just say, I'm just gonna do what I want now and that's the only thing that I'm gonna pursue. He says, but if the Spirit is leading you, you're not under the law. What this means is you're not gonna find yourself condemned by the law because the law is gonna point out our sins and our, our wickedness in not trusting God and following God and chasing after God, only just you know what we want um, in the moment. John, he you know he talks about this. He says um, he says do not love the world. He's not talking about 
that the flowers are beautiful and you know love he's talking about that that you don't want to say this is what i love and what i want it's fleeting it won't last anyway so don't love the world or the things in the world he says because if you love the world the love of the father what he wants is not in you there there's a contrast there that you have to choose one or the other you have to say i want what god wants and what god made me for and where he is leading me and that means you live in the world. There's a lot of beautiful things in the world. I, I enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy today as best I can. I have family in. I will have a blast. They will wear me out, and I will collapse tonight. And, you know, and I will say, it was a good day, right? Yeah. But then that day is gone. And the question is, what did I do with that day? Have I invested in some things that last? Have I invested in some things that have a future in them and, and, and my desire is to say, yes, I wanna invest in those things uh, because I do believe they have a future. So this is what he says in verse 19. He said, the wrong things of the sinful self does are clear. And he's gonna make this list. You probably won't like this. It hits us hard. It should hit us hard because we all realize, yeah, I understand this. Here's, the, here's that list, being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, Worshiping gods, that means other gods. Doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. And what that means is if you say good, None of those things that list applied to me. There's more. That's what that means. We can, we can go on. Don't worry. We can go on because they're obvious to us. We, we understand what happens to us and, and what we chase after in life. And for most people, if you say, but don't you realize that those things aren't really what God has made you for? Most people are honest enough to say, yes, I realize that. There are some people who aren't and who will say, no, if I just deny it, then that, doesn't make, then that makes it not true, but we know, yeah. We chase after things, we all do, that we realize we should not chase after, and the Spirit doesn't want that life for us. And this is why Paul adds, I warn you now, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means you know this is not the life God wants you for. If, if you chase those things, you're chasing a life that is not the life God prepares for us and that one day we will be with God and it will be, we're going after something totally different. It doesn't mean a Christian loses their salvation, it just means you're wasting your life, you're wasting your time, you know better than to, to chase after these things. I know, but I struggle, sure we do. So this is what he adds, and uh, this is a verse we've used several times lately, he says, but the spirit produces this fruit inside of us. What is that fruit? Say it with me, read it with me. That fruit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, or I'm sorry, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this part. He says, there's no law that says these things are wrong. <laughs> of course there's not. If you, if you pursue those things, and really if you let God's spirit lead you and guide you, and teach you to pursue those things. 
You know you're not gonna worry one day or feel like one day I've arrived somewhere and it's the opposite of what God wanted for me and I regret all those things that I did and invested my time in. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying because God has this plan for you to build something uh, else in you. So if you look, uh, James, James is very practical. I don't know if you like the book of James. I love the book of James. Uh, but I also realize it is a struggle for a lot of people because James, he was the half-brother of Jesus. James is so kind of in your face with practically, have you thought this through? If you don't see it this way or if you don't live this way, maybe you want to rethink what you're, and, and James is just kind of, you know, there. It, just let you know, Martin Luther was the great reformer, and, um, you know, he broke from a works-oriented religion that Christianity kind of formed into. Martin Luther did not like this book. He did not like what James wrote. In fact, he said, he wrote, he thought it shouldn't be in the Bible because that's just part of what he came out of. He saw it kind of going back that way, but it gives a balance for us, a practical balance of how you're going to live your life. And, and sometimes the sort of in your faceness of living your life and saying, but wait a minute, are you really chasing, are you really pursuing God himself? And I love it because uh, James just says things that I think a lot of other people you know, said, I don't think I would have said that, but James is going to say it. So here's what he says, the fourth chapter, the entire fourth chapter, I know you're like, oh, here we go. Here's the fourth chapter of James. He says, what is causing? That means what is the source he says, of these quarrels and fights among you. If you could get to the source and say, this is where they come from, it would be a whole lot easier to live differently or to fight against those things. What is the source? He says, they come from the evil desires at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. You can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because, and here's his, going down to the source. Here, let's get down to the real source. You don't have what you want because you don't what? You don't ask God for it. And there's a reason with a lot of the things we chase that we don't ask God for because we know if we ask God for those things, God's gonna say what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, I want the, yeah, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's, that's not the life I had planned for you. You know better than to turn and to ask me for those things. And he says, but when we go and we ask God, something happens uh, that is different. He says, you, got, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, here we go, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That, you know what he's talking about there? We are really good at saying, okay, I know what I want. I know God wouldn't be happy for this, about this. What if I can turn it and make it into a more religious way of asking the same thing, right? You know, God, you know, I don't know if you remember, but there was this one time where uh, the disciples, you know, looked at what was happening and with Jesus and everything else too, and they said, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy those people? And Jesus is going like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what? What were you thinking, you know? And, and we, have, we are good at that, we really are. We're really good at, at doing it that way. And Jesus, this was one of Jesus' biggest pushbacks 
with the religious leaders in his day is they had figured out, for the most part, how to get what they wanted, but to make it very religious. And they'd even taken the laws of God and they made them into more and more and more, more rules that kind of helped them work it out this way so that, yeah, I can really maneuver and, and, and you know, kind of twist what God says and get what I want out of life. And, and listen, that is such a foolish thing. Let me say it again, this, this should be a wake up for all of Such a foolish thing, as if God is not smart enough to figure that out, really? You know, don't you, don't you love it when, uh, like I said, I have uh, uh, grandkids that are here, and uh, don't you love it when, when grandkids, little kids, you know, try to, try to con their parents? And, and here's what they forget. They were kids once too. <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. Do you not realize that I thought the same thing? In fact, I was even better at it than you are now. But it won't work because I have been there before. I know exactly what you're thinking. God is doing the same thing. God knows what we're thinking. He knows what is inside of us. The, the smartest thing that you and I could possibly do would be to look to God and say, God, you know. <laughs> you do. You understand. You, you know how I can twist things and try to make things into something, not just to get my way, but trying to find a way to make it okay. You, you know, God, how, how, how good I am at that. And what I'm really good at, this is what you know, the Old Testament prophet says, what we're really good at is deceiving, guess who? Ourselves, yeah. Deceiving ourselves. It's okay, because I found this loophole in the law or this way to turn it this way or that way. The, the, uh, the Pharisees, a lot of the religious leaders would do, do this. Um, what they do is they had this law, this rule, that uh, if they gave what they had, they dedicated it to God and to the temple, then they didn't have to give it to anyone else, including even like their own family. And Jesus challenges them on it. He says, so what you do is you have this rule that wasn't one of God's rules, but it's one of your rules. I dedicate it to God, so I don't have to give it to my, my family or my parents, but I can instead keep it, even though I've dedicated to God, for my own needs. That was their rule. Does that sound like a self-serving rule? Of course it is. Are you kidding me? And Jesus called them out on it because he said, who do you think you're fooling? Who do you, you, you think God doesn't catch this or understand this, that you've come up with a way to meet your own needs, but you want to say, but you're really loving God? He sees all of that. Listen, always better to be honest and straightforward. In fact, it's always better to look to God and say, God, would you be honest and straightforward with me, because God wants what is, what is best for us. He says this, so you're gonna see why the, his language is this harsh. And he says, you adulterers, what? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of smacking them in the face. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world, in other words, the way the world does things, if, if you wanna do things the way the world does things, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? He says, I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit of God that he has placed inside of us is filled with envy? Or the, the word actually here is the word jealousy. Now, I know you say, but wait a minute, aren't we not supposed to be jealous? But, but what James is saying is, yeah, but God's jealousy for us is a righteous ownership, a righteous jealousy. He made us, he gave us life. He wants what is best for us, even 
when we fool ourselves and think, no, I know what is better for me. And so his, his spirit pulls us to himself because it is the best thing for us. It is a righteous envy. He says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the, who does God oppose? Proud, and he gives grace to the who? Yes. See, that's all about an, an attitude and approach to God. The proud says, I know what I want. I know what is best for me. I'm not gonna listen to anyone, even God himself. I'm not listening to him. I know I'm gonna do what I wanna do. The humble says, God knows what is best for me. God made me, he created me, he, he made me this way. So God understands what would work best in my life, so I'm gonna humble myself, I'm gonna look to God and say, God, be straight with me, be honest with me, deal with me the way you want to. He says, so humble yourselves, verse seven, before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I heard a guy say, um, and I understand why, why we say it because uh, he, he, he didn't mean this, but he said, you know, the Bible never says for you to resist the devil. Well, here's what James says, resist who? Yeah, resist him. <laughs> he, has, he has desires to trick you and to twist you and to, you, you have to resist that. You have to say, no, I don't wanna fall for his tricks. I'm gonna resist the devil. And he says, and this is what will happen. He will flee from you. He says, uh, come close to God and God will come where? Close to you. So if you plan to come close to God, you plan to grow in that relationship, guess who will grow um, in the relationship also? God himself will come close to you. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. And let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. He means for when you've gone the wrong way and you've, and you've disappointed God. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? He will, say it with me. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? He will lift you up in what? Wow. So you, you mean if I just look to God and I say, God, you're smarter than I am, you're better than I am, and even though here's what I want and my tendency is to want to manipulate and try to make things that I want into the right thing, if I will look to you instead and say, God, you are smarter than I am, you, you know what I need better, and if I humble myself in that way and say, God, you speak and you do, that God will lift me up, yes, he will lift you up in what? In honor. That, to God, that is an honorable thing. God loves lifting up those who are wise enough, smart enough, they've planned enough. In other words, they're going for the deep waters, deep enough to realize that if you humble yourself before God, God is the one who, who will lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. Uh, God is the one that will lift you up. He says this is verse 11. He says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. This, this means if you're trying to say, well, this law doesn't apply to me because, and you're trying, trying to twist it, then you're becoming a judge of the law itself rather than letting God's law deal with you. He says, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have, okay, he's gonna turn it even further, what right do you have then to what? Judge your neighbor, oh man. Because see, this is what we have a tendency to do. I have a tendency to, just to let you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this boat with you also. 
I have a tendency to judge other people and ignore the judgment that I should be more concerned about is, and that is when the law says I'm not doing the right thing. But I have a tendency to look in, and, and find something that someone else is not doing because it's, it's, it's sort of the idea rather than humbling yourself before God and letting him lift you up, I'm going to look around and pull other people down. You know, so it's the same thing as lifting myself up, right? I mean, you know, I'll be, I'll be higher because I'm going to drag you down as best I can. I'm going to find your sins and your struggles. And just to let you know, I found that I am really good. Are you like this? I am really good at picking out other people's sins. I really am. I mean, I, I am so prone to want to pick out what you do wrong. And what, you know, that, that is just the nature of who I am. It's not the most productive thing. In fact, he's saying this is really not what God created us for, and it's not really what God created the law for. The law was, was created so that I would recognize my need, and I would look to God and say, God, you know, I, I need you. Jesus says it this way. He says, listen, why would you criticize the speck or the piece of dust in your neighbor's eye when there is what in your eye? A log or a beam. Now, it has nothing to do with with the sin or the fault. That, that's not what Jesus is actually talking about, the magnitude of it. It has to do with, with the perspective, right? I can look, and I'm really good at pointing out the speck in your eye, way out there, oh, I can see that. And yet the speck that's in my eye is right here. How in the world can I miss it? But I'm really good at it, are you? I can somehow you know, compromise and get around it and kind of figure out how I can ignore that and I don't know what that is and that's, you know, just a skyscraper and, you know, and, and never, I can ignore that, but I can find the speck in someone else. That's what Jesus is talking about and that's, what, that's the struggle that he says um, we should have with understanding judgment is the law is intended to point out in, to, in us, you know, where we have failed and where we're falling away from God so that we would, uh, turn uh, back to him. So we humble ourselves in that way. He says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers. You criticize and judge. You're criticizing and judging God's law, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who, gives, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save and destroy. So, do, um, so uh, what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you also say, ought to say is, if the Lord wants, if it is his desire, right? We will live here and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans and all that boasting is evil. He says, remember, it is a sin when you know what you ought to do and then you do not do it. Now, finish up here. He's not talking about language. He's not talking about every time you walk around, you will say, well, if the Lord, that's not what he's talking about. In fact, there are a lot of people who do that and they appear to be very righteous because they've learned the language, what, what, what to say. He's talking about this is how you should look at it. This is how you should approach it. You should look at your life and say, what does God want me to do? What are, what are God's plans? Um, and I should always consider and turn to God in those decisions that I make in life and those plans that I make saying, what fits who God is? What fits what God wants 
for me? What fits the, the purpose of my life here on this earth? As he says, which is just short. I mean, it's here and it's gone. But this is my chance. This is your chance to live in a way that would honor who God is, what he has done, and in that way, you get a chance to demonstrate to someone else that God also gave you life. And here would be a better approach for you in life, to look to God and say, God, why did you give me life? What did you want for me? What were your plans for me also? And I can look at my life and say, God, so you lead me and you guide me. And that doesn't mean you won't go and you won't build, you won't plan. You, of course, you will do all those things. You just do them always bringing God into that relationship and into that place uh, into your life. So let's pray together. <clears throat> and even now, I know that um, the whole point of us talking about this is for you and I to stop and think, okay, so what am I doing? What's my life all about? What are God's plans for me? And as I make my plans, and I will make my plans, I will prepare myself for certain things. Am I considering God in those plans and in those preparations? And then because of that, am I planning, am I investing in things that are bigger than my life, they involve the lives of other people and those who will come after me. The Bible says that uh, you and I rejoice and we will celebrate with those who have come before us who have followed him and those who have come after us. And we will all join together in the same song, lifting up our voice to him, knowing what he has done for us. And the great song of our lives is this is the life that God gave us. And this is the life that God rescued and he redeemed from the way of the world around us so that our lives would have a, a different yield. Something better would come from it. And the growth, um, the life that comes would be the life of Jesus inside of us, the life of his spirit that he has given us to live inside of us and to lead us into a different way of life. The confidence that we have is the confidence that we know he loves what we do. It honors him and he lifts us up in honor because of that. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, never put your trust in him, somehow you just never got around to making that the priority and the plan of your life, and maybe even now in this time you realize God has a better plan for your life. He proved it with the life of his son. Jesus proved it by sending his spirit, by giving us his word so that we could still know how much he cares for us, how much he loves us. And what a great time to say, Lord Jesus, come live in me. I realize that your plans are better than mine. They, I realize they always have been. They're bigger than mine. They involve more than I could ever have planned in my life. And somehow your love says that you want me 
as a part of those plans. So Lord Jesus, come live in me. Forgive me my sins. Give me a new heart for you. A new humility to yield myself to you and even to look at the people around me and deal with them in a different way knowing how you have loved me. Fill me with your spirit. A new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.